Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Karen Sanguinet. Karen is an assistant professor of crop physiology. She joined WSU and the Crop and Soil Sciences Department in 2014 after a brief stint as an assistant professor at Iwate University in Japan. Her research program focuses on root development and temperate grasses, as well as trying to understand the molecular mechanisms and traits underlying cold and drought tolerance in both crop and model plants. She teaches an undergraduate crop physiology course on how plants interact with the environment. Hello, Karen. Hi, Drew. So I was uh, recently reading an article about pennycress and its potential as an alternative oil seed. And, and as a weed scientist, that kind of caught my attention because I've spent a little bit of time trying to control that particular little weed in, in wheat. So I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about uh, pennycress. Sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So pennycress has been uh, very rapidly domesticated in the Midwest Corn Belt and is of interest because of its relatedness to canola and camelina. But it's a diploid. Um, it's like canola and camelina has a high, high oil content in the seed and high protein content. However, it does have a lot of uh, uresic acid, which makes it not very palatable. But we can, through um, gene editing and, and mutation, uh, change the oil profile to be very similar to canola. Okay. And you said diploid. Is yeah. that, what does that mean for our listeners who don't know that diploid. term? And how does that differ from canola? And, and so canola and camelina are tetraploid plants, meaning that they have, for, for each gene in the genome, instead of having two alleles or two copies like a diploid, they have four. So it makes breeding and selecting for certain traits and oil profiles just more genetically complicated and more difficult. Um, so... You know, if you try to translate research from a model plant, a model brassica like a Arabidopsis, um, to something like camelina or canola, it's often not a one-for-one um, relationship between the gene and the oil profile. So, for example, if you modify a single gene in Arabidopsis and see a change in an oil profile um, in Arabidopsis, and you try to modify that same gene in canola it won't necessarily do the same thing. Or there might be genetic redundancy built in because it has an extra set of chromosomes. Okay. And, and pennycrest just is a diploid and mm -hmm. so it's easier to work with. Than right. And it's essentially in the Midwest been domesticated in about 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The, the other thing I think the article mentioned was that uh, it's used sometimes as a cover crop. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how or why it was developed as a cover crop? Sure. So... Pennycress um, <clears throat> is either um, a winter or spring annual, but it's very uh, flooding and cold tolerant. So it does really well with a fall planting and then uh, spring flowering. It's not very heat tolerant, but um, it's been shown to help um, uh, 
ecosystem services and soil health by preventing runoff and nutrient leaching, um, soil erosion, and um, cutting disease cycles. And so it's been used rather effectively in, in um, corn-soybean rotations in the Midwest as a cover crop. And actually, that's the main use and the main idea is that we would do a fall planting with pennycress, harvest it in spring, and then have another crop that, huh? that, that summer. Okay. If we can squeeze it in. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of selection to be done yet. So. Okay. So I, I often have growers say something like uh, for a, a weed like Italian ryegrass or Russian thistle that's very prevalent and very difficult to control, we should figure out some way of making this a crop. But mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're trying to do with pennycress here. You're trying to uh, turn a weed into a crop. So, so what traits are necessary for so-called domestication or what are some of the challenges mm-hmm. with doing that? So um, I would say starting with the seed, the first thing is seed dormancy. So most weeds and wild populations are, the seeds are relatively dormant. And so we need to, to find a way to make the seeds less dormant or to break dormancy. Um, that's, that's probably the first thing. And that's one of the things we're, we're working on and working towards in this project with, with our network of collaborators. Um, the other thing is emergence. So, I mean, basically all the things that you look at and measure in a crop, I mean, you have to select for in pennycress. So, um, germination, emergence, establishment, um, also, um, early flowering. We need to, to select for earlier flowering and make sure that it, it flowers. And of course, like any crop, you need to make sure yield, yield is good. And, and the seed size is of adequate size, um, to, to harvest and process for, for oil or whatever your end use is. Okay. So quite a number of factors you need to, to right. work on. Okay. So you mentioned this project and I guess that's the other the reason for having you on is I read that you uh, were recently awarded a large multi-institutional grant to work on a Pennycress uh, from the Department of Energy. So can you tell us a little bit about the project and the team here at WSU and beyond WSU? Sure. So this project is really to evaluate Pennycress resilience and determine um, the, the underlying genes and alleles that contribute to um, climate resilience and adaptation. And at WSU, it's a team, uh, I'm leading the team with our uh, soil microbiologist, Dr. Tara Sullivan, and she's looking at how the soil microbiome contributes to stress tolerance. And our field agronomist, our oilseed agronomist, Isaac Madsen, who's looking at a lot of the agronomics. And we're going to be doing a lot of comparative work between um, pennycress, camelina, and, and canola, because ideally... Um, you know, it would just be another another option for, for farmers in the PNW. Um, we are building on the foundation, though, that was, that's was that been laid uh, in the Midwest. And uh, Dr. John Sedbrook from Illinois State University is spearheading the project. He's the project lead. Um, and then we have collaborators, um, David Marks and Ratan Chopra at University of Minnesota, um, Dimitri Nusnow and Chris Topp at the Danforth Plant Science Center, um, Andre Gushwend at Ohio State University, Wynn Fippen at Western Illinois, um, Catherine Friels at Minnesota, um, also um, a couple of other researchers, Suri and Moy Esperita Alonso uh, at, at the Carnegie at Stanford. So it's a, it's a very big, I should also mention two national labs, Pacific Northwest National Labs, 
um, Pubidu Handukumbura's uh, spearheading efforts there, and Dan Jacobson at Oak Ridge National Labs doing a lot of the climate modeling okay. and bioinformatics. So it's a very large group. <laughs> that is a very large group. And as you said, it, it kind of started in the Midwest. How did how did WSU here in, in Washington, what, what, what got you brought into the project? Well, I was interested. I... I connected with a researcher at University of North Texas, Anna Alonso, who works on um, the oil properties of pennycrest. She works on alternative oil seeds, and she's a, <clears throat> kind of a, a fatty acid biochemist. And she and I had the opportunity, I heard her seminar, and we had the opportunity to spend the evening together and go for dinner, as, as you do with seminar speakers. And she said, well, nobody's working on pennycrest roots, and you know, you should work on pennycrest. It's such a fun plant, and she's really been successful at working with it. And um, you know, part of our job as faculty members is to get federal grants and federal funding. And it seemed that, that um, the department of, I spoke with a uh, a program officer at the Department of Energy in January, and he said, oh, you're interested in pennycrest. Yeah, we want we want more pennycrest research. So I reached out to David Marks um, at Minnesota, who sequenced the pennycrest genome, and they've developed a lot of the genetic resources for pennycrest. And he said, why don't you join our grant? We're going to, let's make a big pennycrest community, big pennycrest grant. So that's kind of how I got brought in <laughs> to the pennycrest community. Uh, interesting and exciting. Um what do you think this work could mean for uh, farmers here in, in the Pacific Northwest? Well, you know, it's it's an emerging crop. We don't know how well – I mean, obviously we know it grows well as a weed. The question is can it perform as a crop and can we develop it as a viable crop? Could it, could it compete or be viable in this, you know, in crop rotations here? Um, I don't have the answer to that yet, obviously, but I think it's worth exploring. And obviously, we're we're not growing weeds in the field. We're growing domesticated varieties that have been selected for, you know, lack of dormancy and, and certain traits. So, you know, it, it shouldn't be problematic. No more. I mean, obviously, there are always wheat volunteers or canola volunteers when you do crop rotations. But, um, you know, I, the, the real... Um, kind of thrust of the project is trying to understand both, you know, the, the, the genetics and the traits of pennycress, how we can improve it, and also the agronomics and can it perform well here. Um, you know, one of the things, I don't know if you remember, one of the things we talked about is serving, being a land grant and serving stakeholders in, in the state is coming up with other options in, in eastern Washington for farmers, other other crops and other things that can be grown in the region. And this is one candidate. Um, and it has, you know, multiple uses. Could be food, oil, could be jet fuel. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of interest um, nationally in pennycress. Okay. Well, I, I know from a weed control standpoint or re- weed management standpoint, the more diversity we have in our crop cropping systems, the, the better, the more ways we have about going, about managing weeds. So mm-hmm. uh, this will be an interesting one because it'll be a, a weed become a crop, become a management tool for weed control. But very, uh, very interesting stuff. Um, like I said, it really caught my attention when I saw that pennycress oil seed. If people wanted to, if our listeners wanted to learn more about this, do you anticipate having 
a website or where do you think they can go to get more information? Go to your lab uh, website or what's yeah, the way we'll of doing put that? a we'll put a link to the project on our lab website eventually. Um, right now, um, there's a Pennycrest I Prefer project, so a breeding project that's funded by the USDA, and John Sebrick and Win Fippen are also uh, driving that project, and it, I believe it's iprefer.org. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then our project, the um, it's going to be called the, the DOE IPREP for um, Integrated Pennycrest Resilience Project. Um, that is in the works, but not up yet. But there'll be a link to my website. But okay. <clears throat> we'll make sure we put a, a link to your website in our in our show notes, so listeners can go to that. To, yeah. or, or feel free to email me okay. with questions too. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us uh, the story of Pennycrest as a potential crop. You're welcome, Drew. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.